Welcome to the Human Reboot with me, Emma Last. We have uplifting, inspiring and diverse reboot stories from people sharing the courageous, honest, authentic and sometimes difficult life lessons. The Human Reboot will provide proven mentally flourishing formulas and practical tips to help you to live life to the full, giving you direction and hope. Make your mental fitness and well-being a daily priority. Learn to pause so that you can get clear and perform at your best. Switch off to switch on. It's time for your human reboot. Before we start this episode, it may contain conversations that may be triggering for some listeners. If you feel that might apply to you, you can check the show notes for more details. On the Human Reboot podcast today, I have the amazing Tanya Taylor. She is an international multi-award winning hypnotherapist and psychotherapist and mentor. And she provides one-to-one support across the world for people with anxiety and related conditions such as IBS, OCD, depression and insomnia. Alongside this role, Tanya is also an international lecturer at three worldwide training schools for therapists, and she's a number one best-selling author of three books. I am especially grateful for Tanya being here today because Tanya is going through her own reboot at the moment, and she's chosen to share her story with us Tanya was diagnosed with cervical cancer seven weeks ago and so she is trying to raise awareness of the importance of smear testing. Tanya, please could you tell us a little bit more about your mission? Okay, so like you said, I was diagnosed with cervical cancer seven weeks ago and this happened through going for a routine cervical screening test and I've always gone for my smear tests on time and I went for it never thought anything of it afterwards it just yeah didn't didn't think twice about it and then I got a letter through the post that told me that my smear result had shown up severe precancerous dyscariosis is what it said and it said it called it high grade severe dyscariosis which in my mind meant absolutely nothing (laughs) Um, I had to google to find out what it meant and that's just one part of my journey that has made me passionate about talking to other people about cervical cancer and cervical screening and also a big support for my whole journey has been Joe's Cervical Cancer Trust support forum and on that forum and my own experiences over such a long period of time has enabled me to see just how much fear people have around going for a cervical screening but also how much support there is out there and how many different methods of support there is out there to actually encourage and enable people who are scared to be able to go for their cervical screening. This week it's Cervical Screening Awareness Week as well. So all of that combined has has got me to where we are today. So thank you so much for having me, Emma. Oh, and you know, I am so grateful um, when you reached out about 
being able to speak about it. I remember the day that, well, the day that you announced to the world that you'd not had, you know, the result that you wanted and literally your community tried to wrap themselves around you and in the best way that they possibly could because you do have an amazing group of support around you well definitely from what I could see anyway oh yeah yeah it's I've actually since telling people I was diagnosed I mean the wealth of support has been at times overwhelming (laughs) um yeah it's it's been incredible it's it's been a very strange journey of ups and downs, yeah. um, but I I really do feel grateful for all of those that have surrounded me with love and yeah. just been there in my inbox, even if I haven't had chance to re- reply to all of them as well. Yeah, and you have a family, don't you? And you had a big event planned. <laughs> still have it planned <laughs> yes yes so me and my fiance were due to get married in April and actually we oh we are so grateful that the wedding didn't go ahead when it did because unbeknown to everybody else we were there waiting expecting to be told I had cancer it's there'd been a few different indications that meant the news wasn't a surprise to us by the time we got it but because of COVID and a few other things that had to happen my cancer was particularly difficult to diagnose so had to be sent off to a specialist which just made everything take a lot longer because of that we kind of already knew what the result was going to be and it was right throughout the time we were meant to be away getting married so the fact that it didn't happen. I'm a, I'm a big believer in things happening for a reason and I'm really pleased that it didn't, the, the wedding didn't have to go ahead with that hanging over us. And it will go ahead, but we have postponed it till July 2022 just to, just to be absolutely certain that it will go ahead. Good. That's good. Because I remember that day when you um, when you put that picture on of your ring and all excited but I think so many people have been going through that process, haven't they, of wedding off, weddings on, weddings off, you know, over the past sort of eight, well, 15 months, isn't it, probably? Yeah. But your situation obviously is um, even more complex. It is, but I think it was it was a relief when we made that decision. It was definitely a relief that we weren't in limbo anymore. And I think that's one of the hardest parts of this journey is the fact that there's been so much limbo and we all know mental health wise we don't cope well with uncertainty that's why covid has had such a big effect on people's mental health and I think the NHS and any kind of health research knows that we don't cope well with uncertainty so cancer in particular tends to have a two-week turnaround with a lot of different biopsies I actually Unfortunately, um, the day before my second surgery, I found quite a large lump in my breast and I had to go to the doctors, was rushed through this two-week system and they decided that they thought it could be a lump of concern. So they took six biopsies from my breast and they told me because I already had cervical cancer and 
I was already kind of very worried anyway and not knowing that they would rush the results through pathology. And after two days, I got a phone call to tell me that pathologists' initial testing showed that they were 90% certain that it wasn't cancer. Now, if, if all biopsies could be like that, my life would be so much easier right now. But unfortunately, it's not. So usually, if you get a diagnosis of cervical cancer, then you will be given results around two to six weeks, generally. But as I say, in my case, it took 10 weeks to get a diagnosis because because of annual leave, because of Easter, bank holidays, and because of having to be sent to specialists for specialist opinions. Yeah, and I think with a lot of cells now, I think sometimes they analyse them in the UK, but sometimes they send them abroad as well, don't they, to get additional like opinions or the specialist centres in different places? Yeah, potentially. I do know my mine was sent to... Manchester my oncologist told me that the specialist it was sent to was a pathologist that only looks at cervical cancer cells and I don't know if that's the same for all different cancers or only particular cancers I don't really know enough about that yeah the waiting time I mean I had a situation a number of years ago and I found a lump in one of my breasts and I went and was kind of rushed pretty much within a week. And then you have to wait for the results, don't you? And that wasn't in COVID times. And that kind of two weeks of waiting, you know, I'll be driving along the road and I'd burst into tears. Or I'd be there thinking, well, you know, what happens if? And, you know, it was like almost that waiting time was just, it was just so, so painful. and you know, and it kind of gave me time in my head to be thinking about all the what ifs, you know, and what if this and and what's going to happen if, you know, if the worst did happen. And I think I'd even planned my own funeral in my head, if I'm really honest, in that those two weeks. I know that sounds really extreme, but I think that waiting time can be just, can be awful, can't it? And I got to the end of that two weeks and then got a phone call to say, I was okay that that was okay but they had found something else and could I then go back in again so it then went on for another couple of weeks but I think because I'd been waiting so long they did try and rush that part through but yeah the waiting I can really kind of empathize with that whole waiting process because it's almost like just it is such unknown isn't it it is and our our minds naturally go to worst case scenario and to every potential catastrophe it can absolutely think of and on Joe cervical cancer trust forum you will find women of all different stages of their journey some who will never get diagnosed with cervical cancer some who have been diagnosed and at different stages and all of them will say that the waiting is the worst part it's it's time for your mind to go into overdrive isn't it before we started this podcast I was saying to Tanya that I haven't necessarily been the luckiest let's say well I have been lucky because they've all come back you know as normal but sometimes they can't get a reading straight away on like your first smear 
And my most recent smear, I actually had to go back more than once. But you have to have a waiting period in between. So I did the first one and then they couldn't get a reading. So then I had to go back. And then they did the second one and then they couldn't get a reading. So then I had to go back. And then the third one I went back for. And I think by this point, it probably had been about six to eight months really between because they send you letters when you have to go back in between so by that point I was thinking well I'm well overdue now so you know what if and and the what if start again you know fortunately the last one I was just like please can I have the most expert person that you've got in this surgery because they said to me if that wasn't one wasn't successful then I would have to go to the hospital and have it done but then that would have been another three months wait because they they've got to your cells have kind of got to form haven't they or something I think yeah I think they when they do it a smear they do damage your cells and it you've led me quite nicely on some of the things I wanted to talk about in raising awareness because so many people are scared to go for that smear test and just knowing exactly what happens can really be helpful at that smear test you will know you might hear it as cervical screening now it used to be called smear test and everybody still calls it smear test but in your letters it's called cervical screening and anybody with a cervix is invited for cervical screening so if you've had a hysterectomy that included removing your cervix you won't be invited unless like me you've had a diagnosis of cervical cancer and then they'll do a different type of cervical well it's not called cervical screening it's called a vault smear but during your normal cervical screening you will be invited in usually to see a nurse and the nurse is generally lovely and we all know they've seen many vaginas before you know it is not a scary place for them but what they want is to make you as relaxed as possible now when you go in they'll get you to pop yourself on a bed if you want to wear a skirt or a dress that can make it easier for you because then all that you need to remove are your underwear I rarely wear a skirt or a dress so I go with my trousers and just whip them off yeah or even a long top yeah you know I've sometimes just gone and worn a long top because they generally will give you a piece of it's not tissue is it? it's a bit harder than tissue but they just to give you some a bit of privacy it's like the big sheets of white blue roll isn't it yeah yeah to cover the beds yeah so you can pop that over yourself and that just helps you feel more comfortable and then they have something called a speculum which is basically just a small piece of plastic that might feel a little bit cold when they insert it. And if you are really concerned, you can even ask to insert it yourself if that's something that's going to feel easier. You can also ask if you're somebody that experiences potential clamping of your muscles when you feel scared and your vaginal wall does clamp it's something called vaginosis then what you can do is ask them if you can take a speculum home to try with and experiment with at home so that can be really helpful as well but there are different sized speculums so you can also ask for the smallest speculum that they have too now generally when they insert it they might cover it in 
a lubricant gel and that will just make it easier to insert. It takes a minute or two. They insert it and then they have a long stick with a very small little brush on the end, a little bit like a brush that we might use to clean a baby bottle teeth. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah, yeah it's like a, a miniature baby bottle brush, isn't it? Yeah. Tiny, yes. Really, really tiny. And they just pop that inside. They get right up to your cervix. And your cervix is the part inside you that connects your vagina to your uterus. So your cervix is the part of your body that opens up to allow a baby to pop out when the time's right. And what they will do is pop that brush there and they will twist it six times to the right and then six times to the left. And then they pop it in a tube. You get your stuff back on and it's all done. Now, what you might experience is a little bit of discharge or possibly a tiny bit of spotting afterwards. But you can go about your day after and be absolutely okay to go back to work and do normal activities. Yeah. And I would say that for many people that are listeners on the Human Reboot, you know, we are people that are generally very passionate about what we do. We are often very career driven and on the verge maybe of work addiction so sometimes that priority on ourselves can can get missed or well I can't really finish work because I'll have to book it outside of work what I would say to you is it's really really important it really is and if you knew that 98.8% of cervical cancers can be prevented just by going for your cervical smear and even if like in my case I have been diagnosed with cancer but I went for my cervical screening as soon as I got the letter. Letter came through, rang the doctors that day, got booked in for the following week. If I had put that off my experience might be very different but what the statistics say is that those diagnosed at an early stage more than 96% of those people will go on to survive and, and live a normal healthy life so that really really shows that if you go for your cervical screening even if you are like me and get diagnosed with cervical cancer you will survive more than likely for the rest of your life and nine in 10 people will get a normal screening result. So the statistics are quite damning, aren't they? Yeah, it's, why would you not when that's the case? And it's not age relevant either, if that makes sense. Well, as far as I know, it's not because I remember being at university and one of my friends, she went for a smear um, when we were at the unit. I think it was just as we were finishing and she was told that she had abnormal cells. So it must have been quite early on and it was just, they did some sort of treatment. I can't, I don't know what that treatment was, but... Um, was it ablation? Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So there are different types of cells that can be found. So they categorise them as CIN 1, 2 and 3. And if CIN1 are found, then usually what they'll take is a wait and see approach. And that means that they'll check back with you in a year 
because the hope is that your body will have cleared the virus itself, which usually our body does. So 99% of cervical cancers are caused by the HPV virus. And we were talking earlier before we started recording about the HPV vaccine that is now given to 12 and 13 year old girls across the UK. And, and um, boys now too. And boys now too. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. That is really brilliant. Yeah. Um, if you miss the HPV vaccine, you can also get it yourself. You can pay privately for that and Boots will do that for you. It is a few hundred pounds. And it protects against the HPV viruses that are most likely to cause cancer. There's over 200 different types of HPV. And generally, it's passed on through skin-to-skin contact. So there are over 40 different types of gynecological... Let's try and say that word. Gynecological. Is that is that right? Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so there's only over 40 different types that relate to gyne area. That's that's easier, isn't it? <laughs> and generally there are two types, the HPV 16 and 18, that tend to cause cervical cancer. And it is, it's actually seen as a sexually transmitted disease, although you don't need to have sex to have transmitted it. You can just get it through skin to skin contact. But over 80% of the population in the UK and worldwide will have HPV at some point. But what usually happens is you get HPV and your body tends to fight the virus within a couple of years. And that's why if you get CIN1 and those cells have basically barely changed, then they wait for that couple of years to see if they will heal itself and you won't need any treatment whatsoever. Sometimes they'll even do that with CIN2 as well. But they're low grade. If your cells are seen as high grade CIN2 or 3, then that's when they'll look at actually doing some kind of treatment. There's all kinds of treatment from ablation, which is basically burning some of your cervix, to um, they might use cryotherapy, which is basically freezing some of it. You may have heard of the HPV virus in relation to warts on your finger or verrucas on your foot and cryotherapy is something that generally is used to remove those Um, the fact you have warts or verrucas has nothing at all to do with hpv relating to gynecology gyne issues (laughs) so being able to having those things I don't want to scare you for you to think oh gosh I've got I've got a wart does that mean I'm more likely you are not more likely just because you have a wart or a verruca other treatments so the treatment I had was something called a large loop excision of the transformation zone which is the acronym for is LETS L-L-E-T-Z and a LETS is basically using a electrical heated wire that kind of comes in and scoops part of your cervix out. The first time is generally one centimeter cubed and then that biopsy is sent off and has 
lots of tests in a lab to see if they think there is more than just cancer. It also tests to look at whether they think they've caught everything or not. So generally, people will go, if they if they have to have a let's, it will just be that one time that they go and their biopsy, they call the edges of the biopsy the margins. And if the margins all have normal cells, then they know they've got everything. They'll still keep you having a smear once a year just to be on the safe side. Sometimes they might even go for six months if they really are a bit concerned. But in my case, the margins weren't clear and there was cancer inside the margins I think what they said was the cancer that they found was three millimeters away from the margin but then there was also the CIN3 at the margin as well so what they're not sure of is if there's more cancer and more CIN3 so this time round, they took a larger amount they took two centimeter cubed so generally a person's cervix varies from about five centimeters so I am feeling a little bit like I've probably not got much cervix left right now but that's okay I'm fortunate to be able to say I've had my babies I've had my family some people do worry about having this treatment and the impact they might have on their ability to have babies in the future and your surgeon will always ask where you are with your family making and what your future plans might be. And if you're not finished with your family, then they will do their best to not impact on your cervix as much as possible. But if they do have to, then there are techniques they can use like stitching up your cervix if you become pregnant to help make sure that you carry your baby to full term. So um, it wouldn't be right on the human reboot without asking you about how you are using this time to reboot so would you be able to talk to us about how you are navigating such an adverse situation so it's been difficult in the sense of um i i had my smear test back in january we're now in june um and the results came back as i say it was in a letter only possibly about a week to 10 days later and this letter said I had to go for what they call a colposcopy which basically is where a surgeon or colposcopy nurse will kind of look at your cervix under a microscope and put some liquids two liquids on your cervix that will show abnormal cell changes um, that will be visible potentially to the surgeon's eye. And when I was going for that, I didn't really have time to get worried about it because I got the letter the day before my appointment. So it was a bit of a case of, oh, okay, it's tomorrow, right? Go for it. Um, I found that a lot of the support that really, really helped me came from Joe's Cervical Cancer Trust Forum. And I do want to say that they've been absolutely amazing. I would definitely recommend, even if you haven't gone 
for cervical screening yet, but you're worried and have any concerns, they have a whole section for people who haven't yet been, for people who are waiting on results from cervical screening. And being able to talk to people in a similar position um, who have had similar experiences, that's really been a huge help to me throughout the whole journey. On top of that, being self-employed is a little bit different because if I was working in full-time employment now and had a boss, then I'm pretty sure I probably would have been off work. So one of the things I've done is allowed myself to have time off. I have an incredible virtual assistant team and the leader of that team, Joe, is, I don't know, she's absolutely amazing. She's out of this world, incredible. And she's been a huge support in keeping my business going, all of my social media going, while I've basically not done much at all, other than binge watch TV shows. Um, and that's what I've needed. So talking about age, what guidance have we got on ages So basically, in the UK, you will be invited for a smear up to six months before your 25th birthday. And that will be every three years up until the age of 49, where it changes to every five years. Um, If you are outside of those ages and you have any unusual symptoms such as bleeding between periods or bleeding after sex or even if you are within those um, ages and that happens then do speak to your GP it doesn't mean that you have abnormal cell changes but it might lead to them doing a smear or just having a quick examination and checking that everything's okay but usually it can be for a number of other things like the pill for example or yeah it can be it can be anything so but do get checked don't go without getting checked just because you think you're not the right age range and how often should we be having a smear so between the age of 25 and 49 it's every three years and then from 49 up to 64 it's every five years unless you have an abnormal smear in which case Like with you, Emma, you were asked to go for more smears because they couldn't get a clear result. Sometimes if you have had an abnormal finding, then if they're doing the wait and see approach, they will do a smear every six months or every 12 months. Usually it's every 12 months. Well, I think that you have shared an immense amount of information there. And when I give a little bit more, just some, if you are really scared of going for your smear, I just want to give some top things that you can ask for that you might not know. So first of all, there is home testing kits available. If you look on Superdrug Doctor, you can test yourself for HPV. If that comes back positive, then you will have to go for a smear. But if it doesn't, then you know that you're okay for another three years. And that's that's the way the NHS works now. They test you for HPV and they'll only check for abnormal cells if you test positive. You can also ring the Joe Cervical Cancer Trust helpline if you want to. And that number is 08 
0808028000. If you have had a traumatic experience in the past and it's something that you really, really feel you just cannot go for, do speak to your GP because they can also support you with medication. Likewise, if you had to go for a colposcopy, then if you have extreme levels of anxiety, what they can also do is do the colposcopy under general anaesthetic, but they like to try and avoid that as much as possible. So if you are okay with something like gas and air, you can have it with a colposcopy instead. And the thing that really made a difference for me that I didn't know would make such a difference was being able to relax. So I had the surgery twice and both times it was local anaesthetic, which basically means you inject it into the area that they're going to start working on and you're still awake. And the first time that the nurse that was there alongside the surgeon, she told me how important it was to relax and what a difference that would make. And she kept reminding me, relax your shoulders, relax your thighs. And I, I did my best to, but I definitely did notice that it became painful when I wasn't relaxing. So the second time round, I actually wrote a relaxation because I'm a hypnotherapist. And this relaxation was written specifically to help people relax. So I listened to it myself before I went several times. And then during the surgery, I didn't take it in, but I could have taken it in and listened to it. And I just relaxed my whole body and I didn't experience a single moment of pain. And that's just from relaxing. And it is a really difficult place to be relaxing in. But if relaxation can make such a difference, then that's why I've created this wonderful little relaxation. It's only small. It's only short, about 15 minutes. And it's there for anybody who is nervous or anxious, either before a cervical screening or before colposcopy, for you to be able to listen to at home several times to get your body used to relaxing whilst in that position and to get your mind used to telling your body to relax so that then when you go, you can go and relax and it be a much more positive experience for you. Thank you so much. And I'd like to find out a bit more about you now. (laughs) So we always ask, how do you switch off so that you can switch on and perform at your best? That's a really good question. So my background is actually working for the Alzheimer's Society. Absolutely incredible charity. And I got so much from it. And when I was working there, we had some training called resilience training. And one of the things they taught us that I I wish everybody in the world knew about was your ability to have a switch off routine when you finish work. And I think particularly as a therapist and a therapist who works from home, that has been really significant for me in leaving what happens in the clinic room in the clinic room and not taking it into the house with me so for me my switch off routine is really really simple I have three lamps in my clinic room and a door that locks and I switch off each lamp in turn lock the door and that's it that's me done 
when I worked for the Alzheimer's Society, it used to be a right good sing song in the car on the way home. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But also I, I have regular supervision, which I think is really, really important. But for me personally, I'm very good at getting stuck into something and getting in the zone. So whether that be a TV program, whether that be a really good book, family time. So I absolutely love. Have any of you done geocaching or escape rooms? Yeah. I love them. Yes, we tried geocaching last year and it was um, in COVID times. So I think our geocaching round us had kind of been ransacked a little bit. Oh. But <laughs> yes, but we did have some fun. <laughs> and yeah, I love an escape room. Yeah, they're great. So so things that help you to be mindful and in the moment, I think really, really helped me to switch off. And I've used a lot of that with my current circumstances as well. Good. Brilliant. And have you got a personal flourishing formula for living? So that could be any mental fitness tips or mantras that you live by or key learns that perhaps you've learned along along your personal journey. So for me personally, there are two things. One is a goal can never be too big and you don't have to know how you're going to get there when you make it. But when you do make a goal, make sure that if you want to make that a goal that you are going to achieve, that you break it down into small achievable steps. You know, it doesn't have to be an overnight magic wand situation. That is highly unlikely. So breaking things down, thinking about, okay, what could I do today that would make me feel like I had made some progression? That's a really, really helpful way for me to move forwards and my mantra is I can I will oh that's amazing and are there any books or podcasts I know you've told us about Joe's Cervical Cancer Trust and how much that has supported you and we will put those details in the show notes is there anything else that you um that you feel has really kind of helped you along your way So um, in relation to me and my mind and my work in general, I think Professor Steve Peters and The Chimp Paradox, amazing, amazing book. In relation to my cancer journey, there is a wonderful book by a lady called Emma Davies, Davies being D-A-V-I-E-S, and it's called Take My Hair But Not My Humour. It's actually about a lady who was diagnosed with breast cancer and survived. But regardless of it being a different type of cancer, it has been a really, really helpful book. A few tears and emotions, but sometimes I think when you get a diagnosis, you hold everything in to be okay for everybody else. And that book gave me an opportunity to have a good cry and have a reason to. But also on the next page, it would have me laughing as well. Um, She's a really, really good writer and I would definitely recommend it for anybody that gets a diagnosis. Or even if you don't have a diagnosis, I I think it is a really, really great book. Well, I will add that to my list. And if anyone wants to find out more about what you do, Tanya, or 
access your relaxation audio that you just talked about and how should they do that um so I have a group on Facebook where I do a free relaxation every week and that's called calm your mind so if you search that you will come across that group you're welcome to join anybody is welcome to join the relaxation that I've created especially for people going for cervical screening is on my YouTube channel so you can search that Tanya Taylor hypnotherapy but I will be popping that in the group as well and pinning that to the top of the group for a little while during cervical awareness week and I will pop that in the show notes too thank you ever so much for coming on and talking about your journey today I think you've been hugely brave and I just hope that you know that you absolutely go on from strength to strength because I have been watching you over the past couple of years and your success in your business and your career has been absolutely phenomenal and you're such a lovely person so yes I will be keeping an eye out thank you so much I will update people and let them know the results of my second surgery and I'll I'll let you know so you can pass on to your listeners if you wish as well thank you so much Since the recording of this episode, we've had some pretty amazing news. Tanya is cancer-free. The margins were clear on her last biopsy and all cancer and precancerous cells have been removed. We are over the moon. And we can officially say that Tanya's smear test saved her life. If you are due a cervical screening or smear test, please, please go and do it. It could save your life. Thank you for listening to the Human Reboot podcast. I'm Emma Last and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star podcast review and visit thehumanrebootmovement.com where you can find downloadable free resources, sign up to my mailing list or connect with me on social. So that's thehumanrebootmovement.com. Let's switch off so we can switch on. It's time for your human reboot.